And welcome back to Beyond the Cut episode 26. And we have a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, I was going to introduce Scott to the crazy world of Arthur Brown this week, but he wasn't game, so we're going to have to put that on the back burner. We've got a lot more things to talk about than Arthur Brown. A lot more things, because we haven't put out a podcast, well, since last week. We haven't put out, a, before last week, we haven't put out a podcast since, like, freaking June 11th. So, anything from June 11th till November... We we haven't talked about. So we have albums on albums on albums to talk about today. This is our rapid fire episode. So we're not going into too much depth with a lot of these things. Maybe a couple songs here and there. But we've got a whole boatload of albums to talk about. We're not going to talk about them in order. We're not going to talk about any... Like we're going to hit on a lot of albums today. Just kind of give our thoughts on these albums. Because we got to. We got to talk about some of these albums. There's some really good albums. There's some pretty bad albums. There's some weird albums. There's some funny albums. Yeah, the funny album doesn't come out till November 29th, so. Yeah, that'll be the next episode <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah, true. Anyways, which one are we starting off with? Which one do you want to start off with? Well, I guess, hell, the first one I see here is American Aquarium. That's a big one, so let's talk about American Aquarium. Let's talk about Things Change real quick. Let's talk about that album. That album is really good. It's a great album. <laughs> um, the, the songwriting on that album is absolutely phenomenal. Well, we've known that B.J. Barnum, one of the best songwriters making Americana music right now because American Aquarium isn't country. They're Americana. We know this. Um, Americana. Yeah. Not so country. he is one of the best songwriters in the genre. And he really showed why he is the be- one of the best songwriters in the genre with this album. To be fair, about half of that album is pretty much country music. Yes, it's by far their most country most album. of that album is pretty... I mean, that album most of the time is pretty straight up company. But then, let's be honest. A lot of Americana is country music. I always love when you go on iTunes and they'll say the best of Americana and they put like um, Tyler Childers and Sturgill Simpson and um, Turnpike Troubadours on there when it's like their Stone Cold Country songs. Like you'll see stuff from High Top Mountain yeah, I on think Americana list. I think <laughs> we've gotten to the point where Americana is the new country. Yeah, essentially, much. like it's it, it is most of a lot of Americana is country. A lot of it's not, but I mean, there's a big amount of Americana that's like no, that's country music, but we can't call it country music because of whatever reason. Exactly. They're calling things that aren't country, country, but things that are country, Americana. Doesn't make much sense. But back to the point. Um, this album is absolutely phenomenal. Um, definitely up for album of the year. Yes. Absolutely up for album of the year. Songwriting is amazing on this. And I, now I've said that, but I can't harp on that enough of how good this songwriting is on this album. What What I love most about this album is... They had a lot of, they had basically an entire band change up here. Um, mm-hmm. BJ Barnum came out with the solo album in between the last American Aquarium album and this album. And that album was more acoustic, stripped down. Whereas um, their latest album, which was Wolves, I believe was the title. Great album, but the production wasn't stripped down. It, it was more of like a rock album than it was a country album, whereas things changed. They stripped down the production, went for a more country sound, and it really brought out the strengths of his songwriting and the band itself to make their best album. Yeah, so I want to touch on kind of to that point. I think this country sound actually fits them better than their rock sound. So my favorite thing is you mentioned the production. Production was very well, but I think this is the best sounding BJ that we've ever heard. Yes. So, what I really enjoyed about this DJ we've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. Um, <laughs> so, 
Wow. Um, throw me off my game now. So what I mean by that is I think I've really enjoyed a lot of his songwriting in the past. But my big thing with American Aquarium is his, like, when he's, like, his, I don't want to say screaming, but when he, he tries, when he tries to sing loud or at a higher tone or pitch or whatever, it's not very good. Yeah. But what, like, this album, there is some of that in here, but it's a lot less than normal. Like, I think there's a lot of albums where, of theirs that you hear a lot of like kind of him I don't want to say him screaming but it kind of sounds like he's screaming like it just sound it doesn't sound great from like a vocal standpoint obviously he's not he's not the greatest singer in the world we know that but he's a damn good songwriter but this album was probably the best sounding vocally that I've ever that I've heard from them which made me like this album so much more than the previous albums it's by far their best album and that's coming from a band that has really been consistent with their albums. I mean, you put on an American Aquarium album, and it's going to be good. I mean, but this one, they took it to another level. And it's amazing to me what they were able to do with such a band lineup change. I mean, virtually the entire band was replaced. And now it's just BJ and some guys, I guess, he found. And he just remade the band, and they released their best album. That definitely was their best album. It was definitely produced a whole lot better. Um, like I said, I think I think their the country sound fits them more than the rock sound. It does, in for my sure. opinion, it definitely fits them better. Um, and they went more in a red dirt direction, which also fits them better. Too. Yeah, it also that definitely fits them better than anything really they've done. So. Speaking of them, though, we did get to see them in concert in Charlotte quite recently uh, with Jason Isbell, and that was one heck of a show. Yes. It, I mean, talk about American Aquarium as being a small band, but their live shows are pretty incredible. Um, they're one of those bands that you definitely want to see in a smaller venue, which you don't have any shortage of opportunities to see them in a small venue, especially if you live in North Carolina. Right. Um, so if you're not that much into American Aquarium, go see them in person and you're surely going to change your mind on that. Yeah. Seeing them live was, they're really good live, really good live. I mean, obviously his bull's very good live. And that was just, a, that was like a perfect combination of a concert. Like, those two pair very, very well with each other. Also, Jason Isbell produced Burn Flicker Die, so they've yeah. been together like they've known each other and been friends for quite a long time. They have. And it, this one just kind of this concert was just kind of perfect that they both be able to do this in North Carolina. Really good. It was a really great show. Really great show. If they ever do it again, highly recommend vis- seeing that show if they ever tour again together and they probably will yeah i would assume they will they're all friends but i would definitely definitely highly recommend seeing both of them at the same show it's a phenomenal great show great show not better than it is both the rhyming but no definitely definitely a great show <sighs> this american aquarium so is close to perfect as you can almost get it's, I think it's probably leading album of the year for both of us, especially when I re-listened to the other albums I was considering Yeah, with that album th- th- this weekend, and I would have to say that it's leading in that category right now. Yeah, it's, it's really close. It is leading. It's freaking close to perfect as you can get. It's a great album. Definitely one of the best albums of the year. So I mean, always what can what what else can we say? You'll have to stay tuned to the end of the year podcast to hear our album of the years. Let's talk about one of the biggest mainstream releases of the year: "The Mountain" by Dirk Bentley. Yeah, um, this album to me was not bad, but not good. Um. 
I think there was some very there was some good stuff. There was some bad stuff. I mean, you talk about a pretty average album. Like if I had to rate this, it'd probably be like a straight five out of ten. It straight yes. down the middle. Not great. Not good. About pretty mediocre to me. I agree. I mean, I enjoyed it when I first listened to it, but literally, there's been like one song that I ever get back to on this album, and that's "Burning Light," which is the song that features quite an awesome um, pairing of musicians, which is Dirks Bentley, um, Randy Carlisle, Jerry Douglas, and Sam Bush. They're all on this song. Yeah. So when you put those four people together, it's going to be a pretty awesome song. But honestly, that's the only song I go back to. And that song at least puts it to an average album because it's such a great song. So yeah. it's such a great performance. I mean, there was some, I mean, if you look at it from like a lyrical standpoint, I think when I first listened to it, there was just a lot that was, there was a lot of mediocre stuff. A lot of, did he really say that? Like, a lot of cliches, some good stuff. There's definitely some good stuff in there, and there's some bad stuff. And it was had no replay value for me. I don't think I've gone back and listened to it again. It's one of those albums that if it's on, I'll like. I'm not going to complain that it's on. I'm not going to be like, well, this sucks. Like, it's an album that if it's on, I'll listen. But it's not an album that I would play willingly. Like, yes. I'll listen to it if it's on, but I, which I mean, in the, in that sense, when when I say that, that means it's like that's just the definition of an average album. I don't think it's very memorable. Um, I mean, it's it's relatively forgetful. It doesn't do a lot for me. I agree. Um, and that's the thing with that's the problem with these with average albums is they're incredibly forgetful, and they all have about one good song on them. Um. Yeah. It's not like bad albums where you remember, okay, that's a really bad album. But it's also not like a good album. You remember, it's like once it's in the middle and when you're in that level of mediocrity or purgatory, I guess you could say. I mean, it's like anything. It's just not memorable. It's okay. You have some fans. You have some haters. It's just eh. Also, eh. that was not a reference to the best album of 2017. So just throwing that out there. What? Purgatory? Oh. <laughs> you disagree on that point, but I I think it's the best album of 2017. Anyways, I let's move on. I don't I disagree highly with that. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> and let's talk about which one you want to go for? The Wild Feathers or Cody Canada? Well, we can talk about both of them real quick. Let's do it. Let's talk about both of them. I actually really enjoyed both of these albums. I'm a big Cody Canada fan, but obviously some people aren't. Um, it's a really good album. It's a lot. I mean, it's a, it's a typical Cody Canada album. I mean, it's you've got some pretty good songwriting here and there. I mean, it's not it's not terrible. It's not amazing, but it's a good album. It's a solid album. You know, if I'm giving it a rating, it's probably like a seven. I yeah, mean, it's a solid, straight solid album. I listen to it a lot. I like it. Solid. There's some good songwriting, some really good songs on there. Um, God, the cover gives me a little, like, hypnotizes me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that spiral cover of it, you know? To me, I really, I enjoyed it when I first listened to it, but I haven't revisited this album at all. Um, I'm not as big into Red Dirt. I mean, I like it, obviously, because I'm a huge Turnpike fan and whatnot, but not quite as big in the red dirt as many people are yeah i'm i i and, uh i like the red dirt i mean things like you know there's a lot of songs on there that's just really good that i just really enjoyed um it's a pretty solid track list yeah. and it really is i mean to me i thought it had some filler on it but hey i'd give it a six out of ten it, it there's some but it's for the most part it's pretty solid i mean a six and seven it's a solid album that i I revisit quite often. I like some of it. I like a lot of it. There's some stuff that I just don't listen to, but I think for the most part, it's a pretty solid album. If you like Red Dirt, you'll like it. It's essentially what it's, it's essentially boils down to. If you like Red Dirt, you'll like this album. And then that still will, I mean, 
There's not really much to say about that album, really. That's about it. You know? Yeah. Three is good. Three is good. Listen to it if you haven't listened to it. If you like Cody Canada, you will like this album. If you like Red Dirt, you'll probably like the album. But moving on to the Wild Feathers, which this album I actually like a lot. This is probably one of my favorite albums of the year. I mean, talking, you know, if I was giving it a rating, probably an eight. I mean, this is a really solid album for me. I this, really like this. This album is completely up your alley. Not nearly as much as it is mine. Um, but I enjoy what I've heard from the Wild Feathers. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely... It, there's a lot to... You're right. It's up. It's definitely up my alley. No Man's Land by, on, this, on this album is definitely one of my favorite songs. It's pretty. It's really good, but it's just, I mean, it's pretty upbeat. Um, some decent songwriting on it. A uh, lot of instrumentation. Um, it's definitely up my alley, but it's it it is it's been one of my favorite albums of the year so far, which kind of surprised me because I didn't expect it to be one of my favorite albums. But I listened to it, and I I. You know, you know, it's something you're. It's one of your favorite albums when you go back and you're listening to it over and over. Like you revisit it a lot when you start. When you start revisiting an album a lot, you know it's probably it's a good album and you know you like it a lot. And that's kind of what I do. I get I'll, I do re- revisit that album quite a bit. Um, solid album for me. But well, let's talk about an album that shall not be named. Um, made by Chris Lane. Oh God! I Laps forgot around he, the sun. I forgot he released one. It was a giant piece of crap. It, yeah, that's definitely up there for worst album of the year, along with Thomas Rhett's album. Yeah, I mean, what do you expect from Chris Lane? Honestly, let's let's call a spade a spade here. Um, there's nothing good on this album. No, nothing. Um. Literally, the only reason it popped into my head is because I'm on this list of albums released, and then I realized that we actually skimmed through and listened to this album, all that we could take. So I was like, "Yeah, why not mention it?" But yeah, it gets that one out of ten for me. What did we we listen? Did we listen to this on the way back from Record Store Day? No, it was when we moved you in. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's when we moved in. Yeah. God. That album was really bad. <laughs> yes, it was. It was pretty a pretty shit album. Let's talk. You're about, right. No one one is definitely not give it a zero. Yeah, let's talk about a good one. Laura McKenna, the tree. Yeah, yeah. So she's up there with Jason Isbell and B.J. Barnum and those songwriters. I mean. Literally, Lori McKenna is one of the few people that can make you cry and give you chills when you listen to her music. Yeah. I mean, she writes some of the most gut-wrenching songs you'll ever hear in your life. And then puts them all in an album and you just listen to it and get sad as hell while you listen to her music. No, you're right. And there's... If you have a song... If if you're a songwriter and you can manipulate your audience's emotions, you know you're writing a damn good song. Yes. If you can make your audience feel a certain way with the songs that you're writing and you can give them chills, you can make them cry or you can make them happy, like, that is some good, that is some good songwriting. And it, like, if you can do that with your words, not with the music, obviously you can make anything upbeat and people are like, yeah, but as long as, as when you make something that's, you know, pop, like, when you make something lyrically that can really affect people's emotions, then you know you've hit songwriting gold. Musically, there's nothing here of note. I mean, it's, think of a stereotypical album of somebody playing an acoustic guitar and releasing music. Um, I would say, like, Southeastern almost, but this has even less music on it than southeastern did um but lord does she write a hell of a song she does she writes a hell of a song and then you're right it's a it's a pretty good album 
It's definitely up there for album of the year. It's in the conversation. Yes. Um, there's a lot that's in the conversation. I'm trying not to give any any hints of what's gonna be the uh, what's gonna be the uh, album of the year, but we'll see. We're just giving hints of what's in there and what's not in there. Um, what else came out this year? There's a whole bunch that we haven't talked about. Ooh, what do you want to talk about? Well, Cody Jeans came out with an album this year. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess we've heard of that fella. I don't know. We, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Cody Jinx before? I don't think so. So we mentioned we, last week that we had a whole Cody Jinx episode recorded, and yeah, y'all don't want to hear that. It it should be in the lost um, episodes of Beyond the Cut. Kind of like Country Women by Dylan Carmichael should be in the vaults of his recording booth. Um, Speaking of that song, we're sitting there. I think Nate tweeted out from the podcast account that uh, Dave Cobb should have said no when he heard Country Women. Should have told Dylan Carmichael no when he heard Country Women. (laughs) And we're sitting there, and next thing you know, we both get this notification because we're both linked to the account. It says, Dylan Carmichael liked your tweet. That exact tweet. (laughs) Nate texted me. He said, Dylan Carmichael liked our tweet. You know, the crying, laughing emoji text or emoji face. And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. And then he unliked it. So he realized, uh, I don't know if it's as like if he has a social media team or if that was like actually him, but <laughs> <laughs> he, he liked that. He unliked that real quick. Yes, he did. He yes, unliked he did. that real quick. Anyways, back to Cody Jinx. It's Cody Jinx. What more do you expect? The dude, I've said it before and I'll say it again. He's basically the Tom Petty of um, underground country music. Where he's never going to make a bad album. You know what you're going to get solid. every single time yep. he releases an album. I mean, he may try some different sounds here and there, but for the most part, you know what you're going to get. And yeah. once you're gonna again, get, you're going to get a solid album. Once again, he delivered. I'm not sure if it's his best album. I'm not. I mean, it's probably not his worst album, but I don't think he has a worst album. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about Cody Jinx and you're talking about worst album, you're talking like, what's his not as good as the other albums? Exactly. I guess. I don't know. Like, what's his not as, not as great album? Like, you're talking, you're nitpicking. It's like, what's Jason Isbell's worst album? Well, it's the album I don't like the most. Like, yeah, you know what I'm I mean, saying? It's not like he has a worst album per se as in there's like a bad album. It's just they're all really, really good. It's just which one do you not like the best? And again, like I said, he delivered here. I mean, this is an awesome album. I probably listen to it about, you know, once a day, at least a song off of it once a day. Yeah. Um, so I mean it's it's up there with contending for album of the year. I must it say is. Oh, it is. I mean, it's a really holy water on that album. Is one very of the best good. songs of the year. Very good. Yeah, that's part of song of the year. Like a lot of good a lot of good songs on this on this album um my favorite critique of this album and i know we shit it on this guy a lot last podcast but saving country music and his critique of desert wind <laughs> as it being <laughs> meandering man- meandering said? it's a meandering song i'm like well that was kind of the point of the song exactly <laughs> i mean it, it it is literally if you listen to the lyrics of the song it is literally the point it's the whole the point song. of the song. And I'm like, that's a weird critique to have when you're critiquing the point of the song. That's a weird critique. I just laughed at that one. Yeah. I mean, eh. it's, it's Cody Jinx. You can't really say anything negative about a Cody Jinx album. It was. It seemed like a little reach of a... Exactly. Because I enjoyed that song a lot. Mm-hmm. I like the, the sound of that. Um, What else was released that around that time? Kenny Chesney released an album that same day. Oh, yeah. But I don't really know who that is, so. Who's Kenny Chesney? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. I don't either. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Kenny Chesney released an album, Songs for the Saints. Um, 
It's really not that bad. No, I think this is an album he's really wanted to make for a long time and just hadn't made it yet. Um, There are some good songs on here. Yeah, this is actually... So out of a lot of the mainstream releases this year, especially from the the big mainstream guys, this album actually surprised me a little bit as actually being pretty decent. Yeah. This is up there with being one of the best mainstream albums. I year. would definitely agree as it being one of the main, if not the one, of the, if not the best mainstream album released this year. Um, it's up there. Uh, I was genuinely surprised when listen my listen through my first listen through with this album. I was like, this is actually really not that bad. No, not at all. And that's about it. that's about what I've heard from about every single person that's listened to this album. Is it's kind it's kind of the overwhelming reaction is. Wow, this is actually, you know, relatively quality music, which I think no one was ever, no one was expecting, apparently. Which, why would you expect that? Let's talk about another direction someone took that no one was expecting. What's that? Amanda Shires to the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There. To me, there's not a whole lot I have to say about this album, and but I think it caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, I know she released some singles first, but still, a lot of times, singles don't give you a good look at what the album's going to sound like. No, they really don't. And um, it's half the I feel like some of the times they don't even get, especially when they're released before the album. I think some half, a lot of the times, sometimes, I guess I should say, they don't even make the album. Yeah, I mean, musically here. Um, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting listen, and I don't really know what to say about this album, if I'm going to be completely honest here, because it's so different from her other work. It is. It's a lot different, Um, which is fine. I don't mind artists going in different routes than what they normally do. Um, and I think you've made this point on the podcast of people experimenting with different sounds. I think when we talked about Turnpike, you had made this point that they don't experiment with different sounds. They have their own sound. They kind of stick with it. And in contrast to like someone like Sturgill, who has definitely experimented with different sounds. And I think it really depends on the artist. A lot of people like they make, they like that groove that they're in. That's what they like to make. Um, She's, for the most part, pretty... I mean, she's a pretty vocal herself. She is not one to stay in her lane. She doesn't want to stay in a lane. She has no interest of doing any of that. So if she wants to make a different sounding album, she's going to. A lot like a lot, like a lot of people. A lot like Jason Isbell will do. Like, he would do that same thing. If he wants to make a different sounding album, he's going to make the album that he wants. Sturgill is the same way. Um... And that's not a bad thing. It's also not a bad thing to kind of stick into the lane that you like to make for like Turnpike examples. Yeah. They have different, I mean, Turnpike has different sounds in each of their albums, but a lot of it's still that same hard-hitting country sound. I mean, yeah. Like, I'll bring back this point. Using Tom Petty as the example, um, there's a few others. Maybe Elton John is another good example. There's nothing wrong with making similar music your entire career. I mean, it's worked out well for a lot of people like Tom Petty, Elton John. Well, a lot of Tom Petty is like more popular. Like there went for a while, but a lot of his newer, like later stuff, experimented with a lot of different sounds. Yeah. I mean, even Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin pretty much made same albums over and over again. Yeah, they experimented because that's a what bit, worked. But, um, but then you have artists like the Beatles and... Um, you know, Pink Floyd, who were always messing with different sounds and trying different things. Yeah. And so it works just in like the same in country music and Americana. And I think what threw a lot of people off is that Amanda Shires really never ventured away from her sound until this album. Whereas with like Sturgill, you know, you're going to get a different sounding album every, every album. Time. And Amanda Shires, it was like everybody saw she was releasing an album this year and everybody thought it would be the same album as her last two. And it wasn't. 
So I think a lot of people were thrown off by that. And I'm glad that she kind of released a different sounding album. I think that was... I mean, that was her way of owning her own music. Like, she... That's her way of dictating what she wants and playing what she wants. And I'm perfectly fine with any artist playing what they want to play. I agree. Especially if it's their choice. Like, not what the record label is saying and not what, you know, society is saying you should play. But, like, play what you want to play. And it's cool. I like I like when artists do that because it gives an insight to what they are thinking and what they what's being what's inspiring them at certain points in time and that's what i feel like we got with this album is you feel like you got more of her and her interest and her inspirations in some of the music and the fact that this album is different than what she normally plays yeah i agree i feel like she's taking and not saying that she's not took ownership of her previous albums but i feel like this album is her like saying her taking soup like real complete creative ownership of this album and i i like that for just that reason and i think that's i think that's awesome i wish i, I wish a lot of artists would do that i like there's a lot of artists that don't do that yeah i mean and i feel like there's a lot of artists that have the talent to do that but just don't i agree and that's not saying like if you talk about someone that plays similar music like kind of if you take like Turnpike for example that plays that real red dirt, like they have that that lane, but I think they take creative interest of their own albums. I think they take creative control of their own albums, but they do it in that area in that niche. But they, you know, differ everything from here and there. It's more of from a songwriting perspective than it is from a music perspective when you talk about bands like that yeah but even the music does have little interest intricacies intricacies intricate intricacies that's it they do have those little there's different and elements of each of the music where the majority of the music is the same but it's like here and there there's certain different sounds that they're implement in implementing in the album but i uh I think Amanda's album was very good, very good because of that interesting sound, diff, the different sound than she normally takes. It is. I mean, I like it when artists do that. Um, take. A, I like when artists take risk like that because that was a risk. I mean, that's a risk for, and that's what happens. There's a risk for people that do that because you risk alienating fans because a lot of times fans are fans because of what you did in the past. It's like there's a lot of people that love Sturgill, and then when he released uh, Sailor's Got to Earth, we're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> there's yep. a lot of people that did that were big Sturgill fans, but just did not appreciate that album. And that's an awesome album. It is. It's probably one of my favorite Sturgill albums, but there's a lot of people that just didn't appreciate that album because it was different. Well, let's talk about an album that also went into a different sound. Jason Eady's album. Okay. Yes. And I absolutely loved this album. Oh, yes. You talk about... A, this is why I can't commit... This album is why I can't commit to American Aquarium being the album of the year because this album is so damn good. Oh, yes. And if you remember correctly, he was in our top five last year for an album that was better written, but... The music doesn't even compare to this. I mean, this is not just this is when you think of Jason Eady, this is not what you think of. No, I mean, who would have thought a red dirt guy like Jason Eady would come out with a hardcore bluegrass album? And it, is, it is phenomenal. I mean, you said the song, the songwriting is not as good as it was on the album, but that is not saying the songwriting is bad. It is because not. Jason Eady is a hell of a songwriter. That's like saying. Like you take a, any good songwriter and say, "Oh, it's not as good," but the he sacrificed a little on the songwriting to make the music a little bit more. He fit the songwriting to the music, or the music to the songwriting. It was just, it was different than what you would expect, and it was just so. It was just good. And he killed it. I mean, he, he killed it. He, I mean, he did such a great job 
on this album. The amount of times I've listened to this album, this album, I'm not no joke, was on re- the day it came out for like that whole week was on repeat. That's all I listened to for like a week. I was I was at the beach when I was listening to it was a big release date. Um August the tenth was when it came out. And I was sitting there listening to it. And once that album finished, I was like, I gotta re-listen to this album. It was so good. I was hooked. I mean that thing hooked you in. I was like I was I was taking it back because I didn't listen to anything before. I didn't read anything about this album or what was gonna happen. And then I listened to it, I'm like Wow, this is something incredible. I mean, it is up there definitely with album of the year. Oh, for sure. I mean, it is a fantastic album. So I think he finished. I think some my. I can't remember. He was second in my list. I think, I think he, he was second. second in mine too, or third. He was. He was somewhere. I mean, he was top five, and he's gonna be top five again. Oh, I can yeah. say he's gonna be top five again. I can't tell you where I'm gonna put him in top five, but he's gonna be top five again. Well, let's talk about Shooter Jennings. Shooter finally made a country album. Finally. <laughs> well, and, and <laughs> I think you know, it's one of his best albums. It was it was okay. In my opinion, it was okay. I have not revisited this album at all since it was released. I have. I I think this is I enjoy a lot of this album. But again, as we just said, it was also overshadowed by another album that year. So if I were to go back, I'd, I'd probably need to revisit this album. But it's not bad. I mean, hey, decent album. It's a good album. I really enjoyed the album. There's some really good songs on this album, though. Like, there's some high quality songs. Um, But yeah, it's a good album. I. I I think I revisit this quite a lot. Um, not the whole album, but a lot of the song, a few songs on the album. But yeah, it. Uh, I don't know where it's gonna fall when we get down to lists. Um, I think it might be a. I mean, that's kind of hard for me to take for me to say because I haven't really gone through and listed things. It might, might fall into a top 10 album, maybe. Um, I really need to go back and just, I mean, we're looking at a list. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what what we're considering. And this is just things we'll have to talk about to get us some some guidelines of what's going to be. Like, does Isbell's live album count an album of the year? You know, the Ryman album, because it's not anything new. I mean, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people do consider um, live albums to count, but to me, I never really do. I mean, this is uh, just, I mean, it's things that, it's it's just things that we have to talk about to see if it's going to, like, Record Store Day albums, like... Mm. I mean, it's, it's not live at Folsom Prison. I mean, yeah, you know, and, and to me... You know, if you're going to come out with the live album, it's one thing. But, you know, it for it to be album of the year, it has to be as good as Live at Folsom or Live at Leeds by The Who. I mean, yeah. You know. I mean, it's a great live album, but eh, I mean, not, I think that's just things that we'll have to talk about. Because um, there was a good amount of live albums released. Like Aaron Watson released the live album. Um, there's a lot of, and like, there's a lot of live albums released. There was a lot of good amount of like acoustic versions of stuff, like Blackberry Smokes. Mm-hmm. And then you have Willie Nelson releasing "My Way" his Frank Sinatra yeah tribute. I mean, that dude comes out with so much music; it's not even funny. It yeah, um, <sighs> yeah. Uh, we'll t- let's talk about an interesting one. Oh, quite hilarious one, actually. Um, Mason Ramsey album. <laughs> so, what is hilarious about this album is, is like, this dude has, literally has a song that is talking about sex. This album. He's, He's like, like 12. 12. 
Yeah. Hasn't so, hit puberty yet. Yeah. So, I mean, who thought that was a good idea? I don't know. Um, but then it's like, you have the, it goes a bad song, Hank Williams cover, bad song, Hank Williams cover. I know. <laughs> bad song, Hank Williams cover, bad song, Hank Williams cover. It is that the, is literally what this album is. So It's the weirdest album I think I've listened to this year. I mean, Mason, you're better off listening to Hank Williams. I mean, let's be honest here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. You're better off listening to Hank Williams. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it was just the weirdest song, album I've listened to because you're right. It was like bad, bad song. Like, you talk about like the just stark differences between songs. It's like completely mainstream, modern country, southern pop crap. And then like, Legit country music. And it just goes back and forth between that. I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand what's going on with this album. Is this the famous EP? Yeah. So, (laughs) what what blows my mind is Yoda Lady Who is the song about sex on this album. (laughs) Can you guess which song comes right after that song? I can't remember what song. I Saw the Light. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no you didn't <laughs> so yeah so you have a 12 year old boy singing about sexual relations with a female and then you have one of the greatest gospel songs ever written to come right behind it yeah <laughs> that that is this album that's in, that's that album in, a, in nutshell. a nutshell yeah no for real that's absolutely that album in a nutshell. It's... Oh, your boy released an album. I just saw this. Your boy released an album. Who was my boy? Cole Swindell. <laughs> Cole... Cole Swindell is... But, okay. The, we have... We still have so many albums to talk about. That came and go on a Cole Swindell rant, but let's just say this album isn't good. He no. isn't a good singer. No. He isn't a good artist. No. It's not even worth talking about. You have a person. You're like, <laughs> well, you know how Trigger has a personal vendetta against Margot Price. Yes, that's you with Cole Swindell. Pretty much, but at least Cole Swindell sucks at. Well, music. I mean, yours is justified. At least I don't understand Triggers. No, <laughs> two episodes in a row we're talking about that. <laughs> I mean, what else can I say? I mean, he doesn't make good music. He's Honestly, one of the most talentless person I've ever heard. He he can't sing. He can't write a song. The, the The music is boring. There's there's one thing between not being able to sing and not being able to write a song, but at least the music is good. But the music sucks too. So why are you even listening sucks. to Cole Swindell? It all sucks. I don't know. You want to talk about uh, Casey Musgraves' husband? Is that Rustin Kelly? Yeah. Well, I guess so, because this album was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, to me, I thought it was a bit too heavy with the drug references. I don't know his backstory. I assume he had a lot of those issues um, while he was writing this album or before then, because literally every single song on this album is about drug addiction. It, it is literally like... It's a heavy album. It it goes from one song about drug addiction to another song about drug addiction. And, and they're, all ri- they're all pretty ri- <laughs> They're all written pretty well, too. They are. And that's why I can't hate on this album too much. It's heavy. But to me, it's, it, it's... It's not... For a lot of us, it's not relatable. Yeah. But I feel like for some people, that's like super relatable. And for a lot of... For some people, it's going to be like, this is one of the best albums because I can relate to it because of, you know, I agree. I thought this was a really good album. Um, heavy. You like said heavy on the drug reference, but this, it's, it's, it's a heavy album and it's in general, um, it's a hard multiple listen. Like it's a hard song album to like listen to for fun. Oh, kind of like yeah. Southeastern in a way. Like in the way that it's just a heavy album. Um, 
What is it? Mock, I think it's Mockingbird that's really good on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it has its share of great songs on there. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good album. We'll see where that... It's another album. We'll see where that, where that uh, winds up and at the end of the day. Um, you've listened to this album, I think. I don't know how much you've listened to this album. But I know you've listened to the first song of this album. What is that? Kane Brown's album. Yeah, so... I guess we're going to have to talk about this. That first song on Kane Brown's album, really soft. Not the greatest written song you'll ever hear in your life. I mean, I, won't, I don't want to say it's poorly written, but there's some stuff left to be desired. However, if you're looking for pretty solid, upbeat country song, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a better mainstream, upbeat country song than this. I mean, it is really, really solid. So, the first time I heard Kane Brown was, I can't remember the song, but it was like a video that was going around on Facebook of him singing a cover to like a Waylon or a Merle song or something like that. He did a lot of George Strait covers. It might have been a George Strait. It was probably George Strait. I think it might have been that. It, It was something. And I was like, yeah, that sounds, it sounds good. I, I I will say this. I do like Kane Brown's voice. Yeah, I do too. I, I like his voice a lot. I don't care for half the crap that he puts out. Well, not half. 90%, 99% of the, half of the stuff that he puts out. But I think if he were to go in the direction of making actual traditional country music, he would be really good at it. He would be very, very good. And... and- a lot of these guys that have come up in making the make the kind of music Kane Brown has made um, are talentless hacks like Mitchell Tenpenny, Dylan Scott, um, you know, maybe <laughs> even. Um, Do you see Dylan Scott put out an album, like a stripped down album? No, God, that must be. I'd rather my ears bleed than it's listen like, to that. It's really, it's worse than because he's taken out essentially everything. Oh, my God. It, oh, and Walker Hayes. How could I forget about him? He's so those three guys are pretty much talentless hacks. But Kane Brown doesn't fall into that category. He makes the kind of music they make. But you're lying to yourself if you say he's talentless. Because he's just simply not. And then he comes out with this song, like the first track on his album, that shows you what he can bring to the table and shows you the amount of potential he has. And then he just follows it up with a bunch of crap that's really hard to get through. Yeah. I think it's he's one of those people that it's just like a a long lost wish that he's going to make an album full of decent songs. Um I think it's I think it's a long lost wish. It's also there's someone else that's like that for me. Who is that? Oh, Chase Rice. Yes. You know, they got when they show you flashes of potential to be actually really good and they're like, nah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean it's 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 weird. I yeah, know. I mean it, it it sucks. I wish I wish they would, you know, make a conce- a make an effort to be good. But they're not going to because that's not they they want to make the most money. They're in it for the money, not for the and not also, for the craft, not for the enjoyment of actually making the music. They just want the money. And at this point, his fans don't want to hear the crap that we want to hear at at any point. I mean, they just don't want to hear that kind of music. So, you know, why should he make music that we want him to make? I mean, it's just not going to happen. I feel like though at this point in time, if he did make that, all of his fans would be like, yeah, I feel like a lot of these mainstream fans... A lot of these people that are fans of mainstream country music will like that person no matter what. That's true. I mean, you do have a point. Like, no matter what they put out, they could put out just literally just sounds of farting on a track and they probably would like it. You know, so I feel like at this point, they probably would like it. I don't know. I haven't listened to it, but... I think I've listened to the most I've listened to it is part of the Snapchat that you sent to me. 
Oh, well, the Snapchats, whenever I say Kane Brown, it's almost always Whiting Morgan for some reason, because it's about the most opposite sort of music I can find from Kane Brown. So whenever you get a Snapchat from me that says Kane Brown's new song is fire, (laughs) 99.9% of the time it's a Whitey Morgan song. (laughs) But eh, I'll have to listen to it, I guess. I need stuff to go on my worst of list. Um, So we're reaching to the end of it. We can talk about a couple more. Uh, let's see. Who do we want to talk about? Well, that was a good intro to Whitey Morgan. So Yeah, we got we got a couple Morgan. more. Let's talk about Whitey Morgan. No, about Whitey Morgan. Whitey Morgan. Whitey Morgan. The prototypical outlaw music. This is as outlaw as it gets. And a lot of times when you listen to outlaw country music, the songwriting kind of sucks. Whitey Morgan doesn't fall into that category. Dallas Moore does. Dallas Moore does. Um, but Whitey Morgan does not. He can write a hell of a song. Yeah, he can. Um, so Whitey Morgan, man, he he he's one of those guys, just consistent, always consistent. You put on a Whitey Morgan album, you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to enjoy it, and you're going to be happy that he's still making music. No, and this one he delivers again. Yeah. I mean, it's an awesome album. It's a really good album. I really enjoyed it. It's I mean, it's Whitey, dude. It's, it's, you know what you're going to get from Whitey. You talk about people that stay in their lane, and they do what they do best. Exactly. He doesn't experiment much, but he doesn't need to. Doesn't. That's not a bad thing. Like, no. fine, if you're going to experiment, experiment. If you don't want to experiment, just stick with what you're doing, and phew, he kills what he does. He does. I he mean, kills what he does. There are some awesome tracks on this album. Um, I mean, I like... I mean, what am I supposed to do is absolutely one of the best songs I've heard released this year. Um, I mean, it, it just is a song that pretty much everyone can relate to. And especially if you're from the area of North Carolina, we are from where a lot of people lost their jobs around the early 2000s. Um, not quite like the situation he describes up in Michigan, but, you know, it's a lot of, you know, the words are a lot of, um, there's a lot to relate to. Yeah. It, it helped. It, it's a lot to relate to there. Um, I mean, hard to get high is fantastic, but the song I always go back to is around here. I don't know why, but that is just an awesome track. Yeah. I mean, that whole album is awesome. I I love Whitey Morgan for the fact that his just music is just awesome. Yes. It's just badass. It's just There's very little like I am very so I am so much of the type that's like lyrics, 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 lyrics. I mean, I've referenced that before. We all know that. But there's sometimes that I just like just badass music. And that's, and that's what Whitey, Whitey gives me. There's just times where I don't necessarily care about the songwriting. Whitey's one of those ones that I just don't necessarily care about the songwriting because he makes such awesome music. And the music's all, all the songs are awesome. It's just like, you know, you get in one of those modes where you just, you know, you're kind of just driving. You just want something pretty, just to blast. I want to live and in a world that. where Whitey Morgan is a star in country music, but that world is never going to come on so... I just have to enjoy him at my own pace. Yeah. I mean, it's just not going to happen. But, man, this is an awesome album. It's an awesome album. It really is. I think we got time to talk about a couple more, probably like two more. I want to touch on one, though, because we probably need to, and that's Desperate Man. Yeah, absolutely. We need to touch on this album. I, I mean, I like this album. Let's be honest here. I I really enjoy this album. I listen to it quite a bit. Yeah, I do. I didn't. <laughs> it's it was a weird weird album. Actually, what's what's hilarious is the song everybody thought was really weird 
on this album is the one I always go back to. Of course, that's not as weird when you uh, realize that I've been trying to get Scott to listen to Arthur Morgan and you I introduced him stuff. to Captain Beefheart. So, yeah, I mean, I listen to weird stuff all the time. Uh, it's, so, I mean, I just, it's I just not necessarily surprising that I really like this album. I just didn't care for it. I don't think I've I listened to it once through, and I don't think I've listened to it again since. I mean, I I what he came out and said this was like the album that he wanted to make and quality. I mean, we talked about this a little bit with uh, Amanda Shire. There's props to making the album that you want to make, but not everyone's gonna like it. I agree, and, and I don't really care for it. I'm on the opposite side. I I love this album. I mean, it's probably gonna be. In my top 10 list of albums of the year. I, I really thought, enjoy it. I mean, but that would, that, like like we said with like the Wildfires, that's, this is right up your alley to something that you would like. I thought the songwriting was incredibly poor. I didn't think it was that good. I thought definitely he could have done most of it. A lot of, I think a lot of what he spent was on the, on the sound of it. I agree. Yeah. I mean. And to me, that just is. Uh, especially, I guess after his last album, I was expecting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this was kind of a step back to, for me personally. For me, I think this was a step back for him. Um, I don't know. I just it, like I said, I listened to it once. I will listen to it again when coming up with best and worst albums of the year to see where if that falls on either of those lists. It might not fall on either of them, but it might fall on one. It might fall on the other. But I'll listen to it again just to get a complete understanding of where it's going to fall on my list, at least, because I need to listen to it to another, at least listen to it to another another time to fully make that to fully make that decision. And we have time for one more. So, yeah, I figure we probably have to talk about Dylan Carmichael since we've already mentioned him. Yeah, I guess we have to talk about Dylan Carmichael. This first, this the first song on this album starts out with the bang. I mean, it is like a shotgun blast of the first song on the album is my favorite song on the album. Yes, and it's one of my favorite songs that's been released all year. It's just a fantastic track. It really is. It really is a fantastic track. Um, let's be honest. We're talking about this album for one reason, and one reason only. And that's a certain song on this album that is awful. Country Women is literally worse than some of the things I've heard. Some of the worst Luke Ryan songs and Florida Georgia Line songs. I mean, it is intolerable to me. Let's just put it this way. I've not heard the full song through. I turned it, I hit next after the first line. The first line is so bad that I just hit, as soon as I heard it, it was next. I just hit, I hit the next button. And, I mean, the first line is, I like girls who ain't afraid of a tractor. That's the first line of the song. I've heard wor- I I don't know if I've heard worse lines from Luke Bryan. <laughs> like that is it's on the level of like it's just so that's ah uh. this dude has the potential to make the best song of the year list and the and worst, the worst song, song of the year, year list, list in the on same the same year. album on the same album. I mean, you know, I, when I deleted that song. Off the album on my phone, it was like this is such a better album now that this song. It's a lot gone. better of an album when that song's. Not, but you're talking about that song is so bad that it's like when you're rating it, it's like a full point deduction because that song's on there. Maybe it, even two point deduction. It, I mean, that song's on there. Yes, and Saving Country Music gave it a nine out of ten, which he rated over Whitey Morgan and Cody Jinks. And those are just the two I remember what that's he gave. Blas- in, the, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, that's, that's blasphemous. And 
this Dylan Carmichael album is not bad. It's a good album. No, it is a good album. But especially when that song is not on there, that one song just kills me. I mean it. It keeps it from being a great album to just being a good album. I mean it. It literally. Yeah, it kind of destroys my. That song being on there is is fully what's not going to keep what's it's fully going to keep it at least out of my top five. Yes. They, with that, there is no way an album with that kind of song on there will ever reach my top five. No way. That song is, and it's not just like it's like a, oh, it's just not that great of a song. You know, when you listen to albums, it's like, eh, I could deal without that song. Like, I won't listen to it again. But it's like, eh, that song is so egregious and so bad. It's not like it is. You're talking bad on the level of like Walker Hayes bad. Yeah. Like I'm, it's that bad. I mean, it. I, I want to buy this. I would love to buy this album on vinyl, but I don't foresee any chance of buying a copy that has that song left off of it. So honestly, I don't even think I can buy it on vinyl just because of that song. And it's amazing that we're talking about an album right now that's overwhelmingly all the songs on there except for one song are overwhelmingly good yes i mean it and it is amazing and we're we're not i'm I'm not exaggerating this song is so bad that it knocks it down so much with that one song on there i and and this is a great album if you uh, i I don't understand and this is a dave cobb produced album let's not forget about that i mean it's not like dylan carmichael was producing this is dave cobb Right. The same guy that produced Southeastern, Meta Modern Sounds, the guitar song. Why did he not take that song off of this album? Why did he put it on this album? Why is it? Why I was mean, this song made? It's one thing if you just have a terrible songwriting idea. I mean, you know, I think it would be funny to go through Jason Isbell's songwriting pad or whatever and just sing some of the bad stuff he he's written because you know he's written some bad things but at least he knows it's bad and doesn't put it on an album i mean most of the time this is bad like this (laughs) isn't like this isn't like he recorded the um how many tracks are on this album it's not like he just recorded those to put them on like there is more songs recorded for this album to choose from and that's the one he chose yeah you could have he could have had a top it without if you take that song out and you leave that album the way it is with that song out of it. It's a top five album of the year. Top five album of the year. Yes, for sure. Easy. Easy. Top five album of the year. If not, album of the year. When you talk anything in top five, it could be, it possibly has the ability to be the album of the year. That song? No. No. I mean, I, I can't justify no. putting it in. I mean, but hey. I really enjoyed this album outside of that one song. Yeah, if you and download this album, just don't download that song. Yeah, just delete just to, it. it. Just to overlook it. And then, then just think of, this is the album that should have been released. Yes. And, yeah, I <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Is The album was so good, but that song was such a letdown. And it, and it is amazing, and it is true. The saying, you know, one bad apple ruins the bunch. That one bad apple ruined that album. Yeah. For and, me, at least. I mean, I was over here hyping Dylan Carmichael up like, last year. And justifiably I was so. Yes. Justifiably so, because he that is an album of the year candidate without that song. It is. Like, he... The music and the writing and everything on all the other songs is top-notch quality. And it's also because it's like at one point you'll hear Hank Williams Jr., um, Jamie Johnson even a little bit, and then you'll start hearing some Randy Travis down the line and, you know, not really much George Strait, but his influences are so crazy on this album and it really shows and it just kills you that this one song is on there. It's like you hear all of this great music, like you said, all these influences, and then you hear like the influence of like Walker Hayes on those. What the hell? Well, yeah, what the hell is is, it? I mean, but hey, 
I don't want to take it away too much because this album, for the most part, is really, really, really good. It's a spot-on album for the most part. 95% of the album, that 5% is that one song. Yep. It's just, I mean, there's nothing else you can say about it, but it still might be a top 10 album, though. It very well could be. I'm not sure if that song knocks it down that much. It, de- it kind of depends on at this point for at least album of the year and year in lists for us, or at least for me, it depends on the other albums where this album goes. Yes. Because that song kind of knocks it out of controlling its own destiny per se, at least for my year in lists. Mm-hmm. Oh, well it, it otherwise good album, great album outside of that song. Um, yeah, I think we're, yeah, I think we should wrap it up. We need to wrap it up. It's getting too long. <laughs> we uh, could keep well. going because there's still a lot more to talk about, but we really wanted to touch on a lot of these albums that we missed because it's been a while since we've recorded. Um, I know we, we didn't hit all of the albums. I know there's still albums that we didn't touch on, like Carrie Underwood's album, um, Culture Wall. We didn't touch on Culture Wall. We didn't talk on, touch on the uh, Devil Makes 3. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't touch on just because we ran out of time. And we might touch on it in the future. But we tried to get a good amount of good albums and bad albums. Like we didn't t- like Paul Cawthon. We didn't touch on Paul Cawthon. Like there's stuff that we still need to talk about that we probably will. We might touch on in the podcast. We might finally start writing some some stuff on the, on the blog. Um but yeah, so we're going to get back into it. We'll be back next week with another episode. Episode 27 will be next week. Thanks for listening to episode 26. Like always, follow us on Instagram at Beyond the Cut Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Cut Pod. Um, email us funny lyrics, bad lyrics, funny comments on saving country music, and please give us a five star review and a rating. Uh, on iTunes. It really helps the show out. Uh, Other than that, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.